Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Alex Robinson, the online editor of Field and Stream, and this is the Field and Stream Adventures podcast. This is Field and Stream's first podcast, a seven-part series called Paddling Quetico. We're following a canoe trip through Quetico Provincial Park, a huge wilderness area along the Minnesota-Ontario border that spans more than one million acres. Me and three others. I'm Steph Shelton. My name's Ben Romans. My name is Maddie Mahon. Gathered a week's worth of supplies, boarded a float plane, and got dropped off in the middle of nowhere, Canada. And then we'd paddle and portage our way back to the U.S. We're following this trip day by day, so if you haven't caught the first two episodes, go back and take a listen. Last week, we just finished our first day, and we'd been rocked by a huge storm. We've been paddling for like three hours. All of our gear was soaked, and we were a little shell-shocked. But one of the best things about a trip like this is that every day offers a new start. And that brings us to this week's episode, and by the way, it's my favorite episode, and the theme is wilderness fishing. So I've just got to say that the fishing in Quetico is unreal. We went in early June, and the bite is usually hot for multiple species at that time of year. Also, most of the fish are in relatively shallow water. During our trip, we caught smallmouth, largemouth, walleye, pike, lake trout, and bluegills. These fish are unpressured, and they eat and fight like crazy. Pulled from fresh, cold water, they all taste great. So more on all of that in a minute, but first a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Thermocell. Thermocell camp lanterns provide 300 lumens of light and keep mosquitoes, black flies, and no seams at bay. Check them out at thermocell.com slash mosquito dash repellent. When our group woke up on that first morning, the sun wasn't exactly shining and our stuff was still wet, but it wasn't raining and that's what mattered. Our goal for the day was to make Lake Canippi, which our outfitter Jim said offered some of the best fishing in Quetico. That meant trekking through the rest of the Wauwieg River and Cowo Bay to the only campsite on our map that Jim had surrounded with a red star and labeled emphatically five star. The rain had held off as we paddled and by lunch we had sunshine. Ben finally got to break out his fly rod. Fly rods are actually rated on a on a scale of weights. There's a usually between one a one weight would be for really small fish, um, like tiny bluegill, and all the way up to maybe a 12 weight, which you'd use for for really big fish like tarpon on the saltwater flats. Uh, these bass are right in the middle, uh, so I'm using a seven weight, and basically what that means is it has enough backbone to pull the fish in without making them too tired. If I was using a lightweight rod, I wouldn't be able to get them in as fast. I'd get tired and not have a, as much of a chance to survive when we release them. Um, but if I go too strong, then you kind of lose the aspect of the, the fight and the play of the fish. You don't, you're not in touch with it as much. So a seven weight is actually a really good uh, rod for these fish. And on top of that, we, we're using a floating line. So everything is visual. It's on the top. You can see the fly. You see the fish come up from the bottom to take it. It's really a, a visual uh, aspect of the sport that a lot of people really fall in love with. We're going to go out and try and find some bass on some of these rock shelves. Uh, the wind has died down, which is awesome uh, because it's not going to blow us clear to the other side of the lake. 
and when it's glass kind of a glass surface like this it makes the uh the take when the fish hit the fly it makes them a lot more exciting because it's you just see more splash more explosion it's exciting Really what appeals to me about fly fishing is that it's so active. You're always doing something. Uh, you're either working your line to get a better presentation to the fish, you're casting, you're predicting your next cast. It, there's really no time when you can just sit and watch and wait. It's not like uh, fishing bait under a bobber. There's really a lot of activity and technique that's involved. So for that, it's it's there's always a challenge. Each cast is a challenge, and, and that's why I love it so much. We took off again and were rewarded after a full day of paddling with the perfect campsite. It was perched on a cliff of a small, secluded island. While Steph and Maddie strung up a hammock, Ben and I headed out to target smallmouth. The sun was sinking low, and the lake was glass flat, so we both tied on small poppers. Ben was using his fly rod, I had a spinning rod. We paddled to the nearest rocky shore, and in minutes, Ben, sitting in the front of the canoe, had his first Quetico smallmouth. And man, he was a stud. The fish hit so hard, you can hear him on our recording. That looks bassy. Nice. From that eat all the way until it got dark, the bite was on. Ben and I took turns casting to rock ledges and sunken logs and battling giant Quetico smallmouth. Oh, he sounded. There he is. It's different fighting him out of a canoe, you know? Yeah. After hours of topwater action, we brought a couple of fish back for our dinner. I'm not even sure how we got it in. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. But you got him. He took good too. And as you can hear, we were pretty pumped about it. We really weren't looking for anything in particular. We just had an itch to scratch. We just wanted to catch some fish, which we did. They were easy to catch. There were plenty of them. We caught bass, smallmouth bass. We caught some northern pike. And believe it or not, we caught a walleye. Alex was able to catch a walleye on a topwater bait, which is virtually unheard of. It happens, but it's once in a blue moon, and apparently that's tonight. But the bass in particular, that's really what we noted were above and beyond anything we've ever caught before. They were big fish. They were healthy fish. They were aggressive fish, and we did it all on surface bait. So we could see them come up from the shallows and strike on top, and it was... If you've never seen it before, it's like somebody dropping a rock off of a ledge and or a brick and just watching it explode in the water. And the next thing you know, you're you're just tight on your line to a fish. It's incredible. We did get in a couple places where we got some tangles, and he got one really nice fish on, and, and we got tangled up, but he landed it anyway. But that's just one of the challenges of fishing from a canoe. You know, you don't have the control that you have from a motorboat, and... Somebody always has to kind of be keeping control of the boat because even on a calm night, you're always moving. Um, but it's fun. You know, it's like a good challenge. Maddie got in on the action, too. She hadn't fished much since her childhood, but with little coaching. 
So take the take the popper one and pop it like down down into the side. There you go. Within minutes, she had a nice little bass in the boat. Alex, this is amazing. I already caught a fish on my third cast. This is probably a 12-inch smallmouth bass. Um, on your third cast, that's awesome. There we go. That's fishing in Quetico. It was the perfect antidote to yesterday's grind. We just had an evening of world-class bass fishing, and we were going to eat like kings. Caught this walleye, and it's going to be dinner. So I'm flaying them up right now. That night we earned our fish fry and rehydrated hash browns, and we washed it all down with cheap whiskey from a plastic bottle. We were the only ones fishing like Canippy that night, which is, after all, why we had come. As the fire started to die down, Ben and I passed the bottle back and forth and reflected on our outing. In one night, we'd caught half a dozen bass over five pounds and a bunch more over the three-pound mark. We talked about why we love smallmouth so much and why the fishing up here is so incredible. If you came to this area and had your heart set on catching fish and you went after lake trout and you came up empty, you came up empty on walleye, you can go find bass. There are so many of them up here. It's ridiculous. And they're all big. They're all eager to please. They're not stupid but they just don't see that much pressure. So when they get a fly in front of them or a, a crankbait or anything, really, you've even used some, some plastic worms, they hit. And if, the farther north we went, the actually the larger they were and the feistier, the more aggressive they were. They were going a long way to hit our, our baits. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the fish, some of the biggest fish that we saw and didn't catch went full out of the water, you know, totally blew up. That's another reason to love them, because if they miss, you could just throw it back in there again. There's a good chance they're going to come back. They're bullies. They're mean when they get hooked, and you made a great point before, is that they're kind of fish that's representative of this place. They're very tough, you know, there's there's some meat to them. Um, they're very wild and beautiful, and that's a lot like what this place is, at least to me. They're very representative of, of the area. We're targeting them two different ways, top water, subsurface, and they they don't really care. They're just hungry, and they're going to hit. Although top water is probably my favorite. And that's what's beautiful about this place is because there's so little fishing pressure. Most of the places that you call your shot, yeah. you really do get one. Yeah. Where so many other places, you're like, oh, that looks great, and then no fish. But yeah. here, it's like, if you imagine that there's a bass there, there probably is. If I would have had it my way, we would have stayed on Canippi for the rest of the trip. But Maddie and Steph were nervous about making time, and the winds were already picking up. The weather radio wasn't bringing us any good news either. Rain showers and thunderstorms. Highs in the lower 70s. We'd have to pack up again tomorrow, and then we'd hit our first portage challenges. While we didn't have far to go to make it to the top of Lake Agnes, we'd be portaging three or four long routes, and no one knew exactly what to expect. So tune in next week when we learn why everyone who goes to Quetico leaves wishing they'd brought less stuff. I was telling Alex I can just, I'm just really aware of every muscle in my entire body. I just feel a little bit sore all over. This podcast is brought to you by Thermosel. 
Thermocell camp lanterns provide 300 lumens of light and keep mosquitoes, black flies, and noceums at bay. Check them out at thermocell.com slash mosquito dash repellent. And also, Moose Track Adventures, providing guide services and outfitting to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area and Quetico Provincial Park. Find them at moosetrackadventures.com. This Field and Stream podcast was produced by myself and Maddie Mayhom. And now, for your Ben Romans moment of the week. I sound more like I went through puberty, through this, like it has better bass. Yeah.